Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 2, the Texas Rangers 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. However, uh, you know, weekends uh, get busy, and uh, we were doing a lot of family uh, family activities, hanging out with the grandparents, uh, and so did not get to watch a lot of the game, but did make it back in the car, was driving home, and had Hamilton on for the seventh and eighth innings of this one, and so I got to hear it, I got to live it, uh, I got to experience the Guardians rally in the bottom of the eighth to come back and beat the Texas Rangers, a rally we've been waiting for all game. I mean, literally all game, we were just sitting there waiting for the dam to break, right? Waiting for that zero to disappear off of the scoreboard. And it takes them until the eighth inning. But with the pitching they got, it was enough to get the job done. You know, to be honest with you, I'm glad I'm not a Texas Rangers podcaster this morning because they're not having any fun down there. I mean, imagine the podcast they're doing right now about their bullpen imploding again, uh, about their offense, you know, only managing six hits. Um, You know, uh, we we could talk about the Guardians with runners in scoring position. The Rangers only go 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position and four men left on base. So it's, it's not even like they had that many opportunities to get a rally going. So the Texas Rangers podcasters are not having a fun time right now. We get to talk about a win. Yes, it was a little bit frustrating getting there, but we get to talk about a W. So uh, we'll get into the good and the bad of today. Uh, top storyline in this game, we got. I I know uh, Tanner Bybee left with an injury. All right, so we'll talk Tanner Bybee first. Um the injury, they're calling it a hip impingement. So in the sixth inning, uh, after recording one out, he comes off the mound, uh, kind of walks around the mound gingerly, and they go get him. And Francona said in, in the uh, postgame presser that they they like they knew. The trainers came up and talked to him, uh, but said it wasn't bothering him when he was pitching. Carl Willis came up and talked to him and said, I don't like the way he's landing. And then they two pitches later, they go get him. And it's one of those things that hopefully nothing serious uh, when they do their MRIs, when they do their scans. And possibly the last time we see Tanner Bybee pitch this season, um, you know, one of our emailers is going to suggest Xavier Curry could fill that role. I'm actually going to suggest that with McKenzie and Bieber coming back off rehab starts, you don't need Tanner Bybee to throw another pitch this season, right? Like, he's done his job. He's proven he can compete at the highest level in this game. Uh, that's, that's actually two good games he's had against this Texas Rangers lineup. Uh, the first time he faced him, he gets a no decision. But he goes six innings, gives up five hits, two earned runs, um, does give up a home run, a walk, and six strikeouts, which that's a quality start right there, even though it's a no decision. So that's it, he was on his way to a quality start in this one against the Rangers if he doesn't leave with that injury. So, I mean, that's a really, really good offense and two quality starts to show. So like like I said, he's shown he can compete at the highest level. Uh 
against the best offenses the American League has to offer. And yeah, if they do shut him down for the rest of the season, like why put more innings on his arm? Uh, whatever's barking in his hip, let it calm down. I, I Honestly, I think we should all just be fine with that. I think we should give him a round of applause for a great rookie season. Will he win rookie of the year? No, probably. We've talked about how those two guys, uh, I think it was Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson, are kind of running away with rookie of the year. Um, but I'm sure he'll get votes. I'm sure he'll be up there like Quan was last year, maybe even a finalist for rookie of the year. It'd be nice to see. Nice to see his work appreciated like that. Um, but now, it and honestly, it frees up an opportunity for McKenzie and Bieber to get uh, you know, one or two starts before the season ends. Uh, yeah, it frees up that spot if, if they do have to put him on the IL for the hip. So it sucks. You, know, when, you never want to see anyone's season come to an end because of injury, but um, hopefully it's nothing long-term, right? Hopefully it's just something that was flaring up and uh, a couple of weeks you know, off the pitcher's mound lets it calm down. But before that, he pitches very well. He is super aggressive in the strike zone. Doesn't have the high, you know, whiff rate that we're used to him, see, you know, uh, seeing from him on some of his pitches. Uh, Hamilton made an interesting point. Also, only four strikeouts. When we know he can, he can light up the strikeouts. Uh, Hamilton made an interesting point after seeing Giolito pitch the other day, and this is all from Tom Hamilton. Uh, might have picked something up about the changeup because he throws the changeup more than he usually does in this game. A second most used pitch on the night, 32% of the time, whereas uh, normally that changeup is used about 16% of the time. That's a significant jump in changeup use. So did Giolito throwing all those changeups to the Texas Rangers hitters unlock something for Tanner Bybee? And it was good. Uh, had a 29% whiff rate. Uh, added in two more called strikes. They only put four in play of the 26 he threw with an average exit velocity of 69.5. And this isn't an average exit velocity where, uh, you know, somebody laid down a bunt at a 30 mile per hour exit velocity and it skews the numbers. This is this is a true. The, the minimum was 65.9. The maximum was 73.4. So they really didn't do anything with that changeup. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't have a high, only a 16% whiff rate. So on a night where he doesn't have a high whiff rate, he was being super aggressive like usual in the strike zone. Uh, I mean, just absolutely pounding away with that fastball, throwing a lot of outside fastballs uh, for the righty, attacking the glove side of the plate. Uh, A lot of change-ups in the strike zone, a lot, and a lot of sliders hitting in the strike zone. Uh, his one curveball that he threw was a ball, but it was at the knees and it should have been called a strike to Robbie Grossman. Uh, so yeah, I, I, once again, Tanner Bybee is just filling up this strike zone. Uh, if anything, there's not that many pitches below the knees for the most part. If he was getting guys to expand the strike zone, it was leaving the changeup off the plate to the arm side and throwing the slider across the plate to the glove side. Um, but not much below the knees, a few fastballs up above the shoulders, but for the most part, the majority of his pitches are in that strike zone. So being really aggressive from Bybee. So, uh, you know, does a great job, gets into a little bit of a jam in the fifth inning, 
Uh, but for the most part, just keeps them quiet all night. Like I said, they were only 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position, which shows they did not have a lot of guys in scoring position. Unfortunately, they get to him for a two-out rally there in the fifth. Evan Carter with a single. And then Simeon doubles right above the progressive sign off that left field wall. Um, actually, it would have been a home run in two out of 30 ballparks. Uh, Wrigley and City Field. And I guess Wrigley has a pretty short fence. Um, you know, the Ivy wall isn't that tall in City Field, apparently. Um, so a double brings in their lone run. Then Corey Seager would line out. He'd line out at 99.3, but he'd line out. So uh, Bieber's final line on the day, Bybee's final line on the day, five and a third, five hits, one and run, no walks, four strikeouts on 84 pitches. He's only hard hit four times. Um, if this is Bybee's final start of the season, he actually finished pretty strong. Uh, it's not the best ERA of the whole season. That month would be July when he went 3-0 and with a 1.78 ERA for the month of July. Um, but it is his best uh, whip of the entire season. July was pretty good at 0.99, but he has a 0.92 whip for the month of September, which is pretty darn good. Uh, so, you know, those concerns that these guys are getting up there in innings and stuff like that, he, he finishes very, very strong. And looking at his percentile rankings, um, the the run value categories here, he is tops in the league. Uh, just pitching run value overall, uh, he's a plus 21, which puts him in the 96th percentile in all of baseball. Uh, his fastball run value is plus 11 is at the 87th percentile. His breaking ball run value at plus 8 is at the 87th percentile. And his off-speed run value at plus 5 is in the 90th percentile of all pitchers in baseball. That's some deep crimson red colors there on his percentile rankings on his StatCast page. So I think we can agree it has been one heck of a rookie season for Tanner Bybee. All right, so he does a good job of keeping him in check. The bullpen comes in is actually filthy. De Los Santos gets out of the rest of that sixth inning on seven pitches. Uh, Hench shuts him down in the seventh. Ronaldo Lopez shuts him down in the eighth. And then Classe comes in. They, they you know jump to that 2-1 lead. Classe gets up in a hurry. Uh, does go up a hip and then gets a double play. And then gets a big strikeout to end things. Uh, he, I think in the, his post game, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I think in his post game, he mentioned how pitching against the Texas Rangers has a little bit of extra oomph to it. They are the team that traded him away. Don't forget. They're the team that kind of gave up on him. Uh, yeah. Hamilton mentioned when Ronaldo Lopez was pitching in the eighth, wouldn't that be a guy you'd like re-signing into a Cleveland uniform for next year? It's going to be very interesting. Those conversations in the off season. I gotta say, Hamilton. Uh, you know, I've talked about how man he really has a tendency to wander uh, in his conversation, in his narrative uh, throughout the game, and I get it. He's called thousands and thousands of baseball games, so I get why he tends to wander sometimes. But it's I I haven't enjoyed listening to it as much. But when Hamilton is locked into the game, he is still the best in baseball. And that 7th and 8th inning, especially that 8th inning, he was locked into everything happening on the field and called one hell of a bottom of 8th inning. So let's get to it. Let's get to the offensive side of things because 
my top storyline on offense isn't isn't that they weren't able to get the big hit until the eighth inning. It, it it's just how it, it last night or two nights ago, the first game of the series is the perfect example of when you score early and Andres Jimenez hits that two run home run and you wipe that zero off the board. It's the hits tend to come a little easier, right? Once you wipe that zero, if you can't wipe that zero off the board early, it starts to compound. That pressure starts to build. You realize, hey, we're halfway through this game. We still haven't gotten a guy across the plate yet. Like the pressure builds and builds and builds. And it's just amazing how scoring early kind of eases that tension throughout the game, it seems like. And so the Guardians aren't able to score early. God, they had opportunities. Man, they get uh, Ramirez and Naylor on in the uh, first inning, and Cole Calhoun strikes out, and Andres Jimenez lines out. It was a it was a flare. It only had an it, he only hit it at seventy eight point three, but it had an expected batting average of eight seventy. But unfortunately, their center fielder runs in, snags it, um, you know, and uh, hey, it's it ain't a hit, so that's all that matters. Uh, Tavares out in center field. Uh, I believe he's the one that ran that one down. So they waste back-to-back singles there in the first inning. In the second inning, uh, Brennan gets a single but gets caught stealing. Bo Naylor would single, straw hit by the pitch. After a Tana strikeout, uh, Quan would walk to load the bases for Jose Ramirez. Bases loaded, and he goes down to a low changeup, uh, and just he was way out ahead of it. Way out ahead of it. Uh, let me actually see. I think I could do the player breakdown page uh, for hitters. Let's see. Yeah, Jose Ramirez saw eight changeups tonight. Five cutters, three sliders. And he whiffed on three of five swings against the changeup tonight. He did put two in play, though. Um, so he was able to get a hold of two of them. So, yeah, they were coming after Jose Ramirez with that changeup. And... In this chance here, I mean, he had a chance to blow this game wide open, really get the scoring going with the bases loaded in the second inning. I mean, the whole stadium was ready for it, and God, he was just way out ahead of that changeup down at the knees. So there goes an opportunity. You get two more on in the third inning, and Bo Naylor pops out. It's like, come on, guys. And so uh, the opportunities, oh, no, they had two more on in the fifth, and then Andres Jimenez grounds into a double play. Uh, the sixth inning, they go quiet. In the seventh inning, you get two more on. You get Quan and now Josh Naylor with singles, and Cole Calhoun would line out uh, to the outfield. His had an expected batting average of 600, and it goes as a line out. And it's like, is you start to wonder, is this ever going to happen? And here we go. Uh, with one out, Ramon Laureano doubles into the left field corner, and suddenly you're like, okay. It's still a one nothing game, guys. Show me something. Give me some magic here. Bo Naylor draws a walk with that base open, uh, so it doesn't really, you know, affect the situation too much. Ramon Laureano is still on second base, but now that go-ahead run is on base, he lets Miles Straw bat because that's just what Francona does. I mean, why would we expect Francona to change at this point in the season? He's been letting Miles Straw bat in these high-leverage situations all year. I don't know why. The guy has, frankly, an embarrassing OPS for someone, you know, in his position that gets as many at-bats as he does. 577 OPS, which shows me he's he's just not effective. 
He's just not effective offensively. And sure enough, he pops out. Pops out with, you know, that go-ahead, that, that tying run there in scoring position, and we need a hit. We need someone to come up with a hit. He has Fry. He has Gabriel Arias on his bench. Uh, I believe at this point the Rangers had gone to uh, uh, LeCleric, uh, the righty. So uh, maybe if they had kept the lefty in, that would we would have seen Fry maybe or someone like that. But nope, uh, he leaves Miles Strong to go right on right, and he pops out. And that brings up Tyler Freeman, who had gone into the game earlier for Jose Tena. Um, he had lined out in his last at-bat, put a good swing on it. And this one, he gets a slider off the plate. I am telling you, off the plate. And uh, somehow he's able to flare this thing in the left field. Uh, he has no business taking a pitch this far outside and hitting in the left field. The only... You know, it's a very slow slider. It's an 83.4 mile per hour slider, which allows him to get the bat head out there and flick it in the left field. It falls in front of Carter, who's very fast, who had already made a diving catch in left field, and it falls in front of him. Uh, it brings in Ramon Laureano to score, and boy, we wipe that uh, zero off the board, and it, you know, it does something. It changes something, and Stephen Kwan comes up. Works a six-pitch at-bat. Works a long at-bat. In fact, starts 3-0 and in this at-bat. Uh, misses with three straight pitches. Um, a change-up down and off the plate. A uh, a cutter in off the plate. A sinker that just misses below the knees. And Hamilton said, I told you he's locked in. You know, red light here for uh, on a 3-0 count. Gets a fastball on the outside edge that just hits the outside edge to make it a 3-1 count. And he said, Quan might take again. Like, he might, he's good enough hitter with two strikes on him that he might take. And sure enough, he does. He takes a sinker kind of right down the middle to make it a full count and then gets a cutter that stays away. And what does Stephen Quan do with pitches away? Shoots him in the left center field. Uh, drops it in uh, the gap there. Uh, doesn't hit it hard enough to get it through the gap, but puts it in the gap. Carter cuts it off. Bo Naylor comes in to score. Freeman goes up to third. And your Guardians have taken a 2-1 lead. And Classe gets up in a hurry. Uh, Jose Ramirez would come up, would give you a good at-bat. Eh, well, okay. Wouldn't give you a great at-bat because he's chasing pitches out of the strike zone here. Two of those swings and misses on changeups come in this at-bat. So he's chasing changeups down. He fouls off a slider down and away. Leclerc is trying to just stay away with off-speed stuff. For some reason, thinks he can go high fastball. Ramirez hits this thing at 100.3 miles per hour, 37 degree launch angle, 363 out to the warning track in right field. It would have been a home run in five out of 30 ballparks. Uh, Cincinnati, Detroit, Houston, New York, no surprise. Philadelphia, but not in progressive field. Uh, so Ramirez got his fastball and he gave it a ride. It just couldn't get it out. Um just maybe got a little bit under it at a 37 degree launch angle. And so we got to live with that 2-1 uh with that 2-1 lead and like I said, uh Classe gets it done in the ninth inning. Gets that ground ball double play and gets a strikeout. So, I mean, hey, uh sometimes you win 12 to 3 and sometimes you just got to win 2 to 1. Never never take a win for granted. Right? Appreciate the W's. Because they're hard. Whether you win 2-1 to one or you win 12-3, to three, they're hard to get that W up on the board. So appreciate them all. 
Um, all right. So I, I my thoughts on this one. My overall thoughts is, uh, yeah, man, you really, really need to, you know, take advantage of those opportunities early in the game. And frankly, Tanner Bybee deserves it. Like he des- he deserves some decisions in the month of September here. He, do, he, he goes 0 for 1 in the month of September, despite, like we said, having a 0.92 whip for the month by, you know, uh, lowering his ERA, his running ERA for the year. Like, he had a very good month, and he's 0-1 on the month in three starts. So, uh, yeah, he deserves, your starter deserves that W. And if you would have gotten one of those rallies to work early in the game, uh, we could have got him that W. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's they got to keep grinding, uh, and but they've got to find a way to get it done earlier in the game. Uh, you know, I remember, remember, remember the, the the huge winning streak, right? The record setting winning streak, uh, from a few years ago. I one thing I always remember about that winning streak is they were jumping on teams so early, like they'd, they'd have these first inning rallies, it felt like almost every game. And they'd be putting up crooked numbers in the first inning, and it just made the rest of the game so much easier. It's a, it's amazing how that works. Uh, and this team this year has done the opposite. They just make you wait and wait and wait for those runs to finally come across. Um, so I, if I had watched this game live, I mean, I would have been just pounding my fist on the couch going, come on, guys, like somebody be the hero. And, uh, yeah, like we said, they, they made some good catches. There were some hits. There were some outs with high expected batting averages. But, you know, expected batting averages only get you so far. Uh, you got to get one to drop in. So uh, I'm sure those of you that watched from beginning to end were a little bit frustrated on the night. Let's go over to the emailers and see what's going on. Uh, Bob checked in just to let us know he's emailing from Highland Heights. So he's a local here in Cleveland. Uh Keep uh, keep emailing in, Bob. Keep joining the conversation. I like it. Um, Tony uh, emailed in. Tony, short and sweet as usual. He said, last year when Class A came in, I had a great deal of confidence. This year is more like your unathletic nephew gets in in a critical moment and you just hope he doesn't embarrass himself. Good win, Tony. Um, Tony, that's harsh, man. That's harsh. I went, you know, I think, you know, Marlon's been harsh on... Uh, Emmanuel Classe 2, I think we need to appreciate what we have in Emmanuel Classe. Now, I went and looked, you know, uh, at fan graphs and pulled up, you know, some of the top closers in the game here. And uh, he he leads the league in saves with 41 saves. He's like one of the first people to get back-to-back 40 save seasons in a Cleveland uniform. Was it ever or was it in a long time? I know they threw that stat up the other day. He leads baseball in saves. Now, I know he's 2-9 and nine on the season, so he also has a lot of losses compared to the rest and a lot of blown saves probably compared to the rest of those closers, but he still leads the league in saves. He uh, he doesn't have a high strikeout rate compared to some of these guys. Most of these guys who have high saves are in double-digit strikeouts. He's at 8 Ks per 9. The rest of the guys are up 10, 11. Felix Batista at Baltimore was at 16.23 Ks per 9, so that's not his style. He doesn't throw a lot of walks. Um, his ground ball rate is high compared to all these guys. Uh, Ryan Presley from Houston is the only one that has a higher ground ball rate of these like top closers here. Um, doesn't give up a lot of home runs. His bat bip this season has been high compared to some of these guys. At two ni- a 293 batting average on balls in play, 
I mean, some of these guys, uh, Alex Diaz is at 235. Camilo Duvall in San Francisco also has a high bat bip at 294. Uh, a few of these guys are in the 290s. Devin Williams in Milwaukee, who has 35 saves, is at a 206 batting average balls in play. So maybe getting a little unlucky with his batting average balls in play. Um, but FIP, he is competitive with the rest of the closers in baseball when it comes to FIP uh, at 271. Um, some of these guys are in the threes, twos when it comes to FIP. The next closest guy, um, uh, David Bednar in Pittsburgh is lower than him. Paul's, uh, Felix Batista in Baltimore is a one eight eight whip. Well, that's what happens when you get all those strikeouts. Um, and as far as war goes, uh, as far as relief pitchers and war goes, he's tied for fifth in baseball of all relievers. Uh, when it comes to that category there. There's a few of non-closers that get up there as far as war goes at 1.9. So, I mean, Class A has been very valuable. Very valuable. Um, I know some of the blown saves have been frustrating this year, but it is hard to find a closer this good. So, I want you to think a little bit before you're that hard on Emmanuel Class A. You could be a little bit frustrated with this season, I get it. Overall, we're all frustrated with this season. Like, all around, this is not going to be a Guardian season that gets celebrated in the annals of time. But, um, you know, I maybe maybe slow down and appreciate what we have in Emmanuel Classe, even though it hasn't been the best season for him. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, Tony, for the email, though. I appreciate you, you know, sparking that conversation, making me look that stuff up. Uh, Marlon got in. Uh, he liked to start. I'd like to start off this email by sending thoughts and prayers to former Indians and Phillies manager Charlie Manuel and his family after he suffered a stroke today. Yes, I did see that news. Apparently, he went in for a procedure and uh, in the procedure suffered a stroke. So uh, they're hoping he might recover, but, you know, it sucks. Uh, nobody gets younger in this life, right? Uh, and Charlie Manuel gave us some good times. Charlie Manuel gave us some good stories. Uh, especially the guys that covered him at the time. Like if you talk to some of those writers um, who covered him back in the day, just some classic stories uh, as manager of this team. So yeah, he he will always be remembered and loved uh, by the Cleveland Indians, Cleveland Guardians uh, fan base and community. Uh, he said Tanner Bybee pitched, Marlon said Tanner Bybee pitched beautifully tonight. It's unfortunately left with an injury. Hopefully he'll be okay, but I suspect, and this is pure speculation on my end, that this will be his final appearance this season, uh, with there being only a couple of weeks left in the regular season. Uh, you know, your speculation, Marlon, and Tom Hamilton. So I think you I think you might be on the right track. He said, I'd love to see Joey Cantillo called up to make his debut. He's already losing an option year since he's already on the 40-man roster. They might as well give him and the fans a small taste of what's to come in the majors. Yeah, Cantillo has been someone who has been really popping up on people's radar in the minor leagues. Um, he's he's someone that came over in one of those, I think one of those big trades with San Diego that we're still waiting on to develop. He was one of the younger guys in those trades. So that could just be another piece of this pitching puzzle that you know eventually makes it up to the major. So that'd be interesting. I still think with McKenzie and Bieber coming back, you're going to need room for them to make starts anyways at the end of this season. So we'll see what happens there. Um. He goes on to crush the offense, you know, what we've already talked about in this game, uh, two for 11 with runners in scoring position, left 12 on base. Actually, I thought it was two for 12 with runners in scoring position. 
Uh, no, two for 11. Marlon was right. Um, and then he goes, you know, obviously he crushes Francona for letting Straw bat. Um, he says home plate umpire Rob Drake was terrible behind the plate. There are umps who think the fans came to see them. With that being said, uh, I, he, he makes a joke here. I'd love to pull Rob Drake, CB Buckner, Pat Hoberg, and Angel Hernandez cards from a pack of trading cards. Maybe I'll get lucky and get an Angel Hernandez or Pat Hoberg autograph on one of them. Uh, clearly making a joke that it is not about them. Nobody's getting umpire baseball cards. Uh, Cleveland has a chance to sweep Texas tomorrow. This would be the most Guardians-esque thing to go 2-5 and five against the Angels and Giants, but sweep the Rangers. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. When we need the Guardians in a big series, it seems like it's not there. And then when it doesn't matter, they go ahead and you know kick the butts of one of the better offenses in the American League. Uh, Jeff from Columbus checked in. He said, Davey, another one-run game. Thankfully, a win. Don't get past the four-run mark, but still pull out the win. Some key hits by Loriano, Freeman, and Quanin, and Jem from Bybee. Bullpen did a great job once again and closed out the game. I really like Ronaldo Lopez and hope we can keep him for another good bullpen arm next season. Jose was two for five and hit the ball hard a few times. I'm hopeful he can go into the offseason on a hot streak. I do worry at times that we are not taking advantage of Jose's prime time. Clearly, he's great. But he will only have so many outstanding years remaining. I pray that a superstar like Jose, who is such a great person and leader in the clubhouse and fan favorite, deserves a few more shots at winning a World Series. Yeah, uh, it's true. I We do all hope that like we could build a team around Jose uh, that is going to compete for a World Series. Like it's, it's uh, You don't get guys like this very often. And uh, it would be a shame to waste his prime years. Um, he said, I'm going to try to make it to Tristan's rehab start on Tuesday in Columbus. So hopefully I can provide some feedback later this week. Thanks for the podcast. Jeff with a G Jeff in Columbus. So thank you emailers. Uh, great additions to the conversation as always. And if you want to jump in on the conversation, Cleveland baseball mornings at gmail.com. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. MVP on the day. Hey man, he got the game winning hit. We've got to give it up to Steven Kwan. He goes two for four on the day, plus a walk, so he's on base three times. In fact, I mean, the top of the order all had, Quan uh, Ramirez and Naylor all had multi-hit games. There's just no one could bring him around to score. Um, so Quan has to get it done himself. He doesn't get many RBI opportunities, right? That's not his game. Being the leadoff hitter, you're just naturally not going to get that many RBI opportunities. But he delivers when we needed him here, and he did in his style, right? Slashing one in the left field, hitting that gap in left center field and driving in the winning run. So Stephen Kwan taking home MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Guards 2, the Rangers 1. The Guards will go for the sweep at 1.40 today, local time. Uh, Texas has not announced their pitcher, but it will be Gavin Williams. Big rig on the mound for your guardians you can follow me on twitter at davy barris you can email the show at cleveland baseball mornings at gmail.com please join the conversation we've had some new emailers recently and i really enjoy the contributions so thanks for joining me on this cleveland baseball morning all right